The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that charts a course through history, one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're looking at the story behind the story of Treasure Island, a classic work of children's literature that helped establish pretty much every pirate cliché you can think of. The day was November 14th, 1883. Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island was published as a single-volume book. The tale of swashbuckling pirates and their hunt for buried treasure had first appeared in a weekly literary magazine called Young Folks. The story was published one chapter at a time over the course of 18 weekly installments between 1881 and 1882. That staggered format didn't do the story any favors, with many young readers complaining it was too slow. However, in book form, the Scottish author's vivid prose and morally complex characters proved much easier to appreciate. Treasure Island quickly became a bestseller and is now considered one of the defining works of the adventure genre. The story has also left a lasting mark on popular culture, spawning countless adaptations and imitations and coloring the mainstream conception of pirates for more than a century and counting. Treasure Island was Stevenson's first great success as an author, and eventually became one of his best-loved books, right up there with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Kidnapped. 
It's a little surprising, then, that the story only came about because of a rained-out family vacation. In the summer of 1881, the 31-year-old writer and his family went on holiday in the Scottish Highlands. It was especially rainy that season, and they were forced to spend much of their time indoors. To keep from going stir-crazy, Stevenson borrowed some art supplies from his stepson and began painting an island. He gradually turned the picture into a kind of map, adding and naming the island's various harbors, hills, and bays. Then, captivated by his own illustration, Stevenson started to imagine what kind of adventures might play out there. The author later described that fit of inspiration, saying, quote, As I paused upon my map of Treasure Island, the future characters of the book began to appear there, visibly among imaginary woods, and their brown faces and bright weapons peeped out upon me from unexpected quarters as they passed to and fro, fighting and hunting treasure on those few square inches of a flat projection. The next thing I knew, I had some papers before me and was writing out a list of chapters. Stevenson wrote ferociously at first, finishing a new chapter every morning for about two weeks straight. In the afternoons, he would share what he'd written with his wife, Fanny, and stepson, Lloyd. Fanny wasn't a big fan, but Lloyd was entranced by each chapter, and his positive feedback kept Stevenson writing for as long as the rain kept falling. Another family member key to the story's success was the author's own father, Thomas Stevenson. He adored pirate stories and gave his son a lot of useful advice for how to tell his own. That included everything from names to character traits to plot points. He even came up with one of the book's most crucial scenes, the one where Jim Hawkins hides in an apple barrel and overhears Long John Silver's mutinous plans. Thomas left his mark on Treasure Island in a literal sense as well. When the story was first released in book form, Stevenson's original map was included, along with the signature of fictional pirate Captain Flint. In reality, though, the signature belonged to Thomas Stevenson. In addition to made-up pirates like Captain Flint, Stevenson also included references to real-life ones, such as Blackbeard, William Kidd, and Bartholomew Roberts, a.k.a. Black Bart, no relation to the stagecoach robber. But it was the original character of Long John Silver who really stole the show. The one-legged pirate was more nuanced and more compelling than most adventure story villains. He was greedy and self-serving, no question, but also displayed a seemingly genuine affection for Jim Hawkins, the young protagonist with whom he forms an unlikely bond. Silver was such a pivotal character that Stevenson initially named the book after him. The original title was The Sea Cook, a reference to Silver's role as cook on board the Hispaniola. The author's publisher later convinced him to change the name, but it's still a testament to Silver's importance to the story. After all, Treasure Island is, at its heart, a coming-of-age tale, and Long John Silver's friendship, deception, and ultimate betrayal play a formative role in Jim Hawkins' journey to self-assurance. Although a fictional character, Long John Silver did have a real-world inspiration. Stevenson based him on his longtime friend, William Henley, who was tall, talkative, and charming, just like Silver, and who also had a wooden leg. Speaking of which, did you know it was Treasure Island that popularized the idea of pirates having peg legs? There's no historical record of real pirates using them, 
but the prosthetic's appearance in books like Treasure Island and Peter Pan cemented them as one of the visual icons of piracy. It's a similar story for now-familiar tropes like pirates keeping parrots as pets or forcing captured sailors to walk the plank. Both of those customs had some historical precedents, but Treasure Island made them far more prevalent in fiction than they were in real life. In reality, monkeys were the exotic pet of choice among pirates, and plank walking was a decidedly rare form of punishment. A grisly practice known as keel hauling was much more common. But thankfully, Stevenson left that part out of his book, so we don't have to talk about it. Another pirate stereotype that owes more to fiction than fact is the notion of buried treasure. Real pirates were much more interested in spending their loot than they were in burying it in hard-to-remember locations. Nonetheless, in Treasure Island, Long John Silver is on the hunt for a stash of gold hidden by his former captain. And of course, a secret treasure map is the key to finding it. And while Robert Louis Stevenson didn't base that idea on real life, he didn't invent it on his own either. Instead, he borrowed it from another 19th century author, Edgar Allan Poe. In Poe's short story, The Gold Bug, the main characters hunt down Captain Kidd's treasure using a cipher that's based on how frequently certain letters appear in the English language. That's essentially the same premise as in Treasure Island, except Stevenson substituted a map in place of a cipher. He admitted as much himself in the book's preface, saying, quote, The map was the chief part of my plot, and for that, I broke into the gallery of Mr. Poe. Treasure Island didn't only fuel the modern view of how pirates looked and behaved, it also influenced how we imagine they spoke and sounded. That's because a lot of the phrases we connect with pirates first appeared in Stevenson's book, including yo-ho-ho ho and a bottle of rum and shiver me timbers, a favorite expression of Long John Silver. The sound of pirates was further defined by Walt Disney's film version of Treasure Island, first released in 1950. We now associate pirates with gruff, vaguely Scottish accents because of actor Robert Newman's performance as Long John Silver. Newman was a native of southwest England, and as such, he spoke with a distinctive regional dialect called West Country English. Some features of that dialect line up exactly with how most of us imagine pirates to have talked. For example, West Country speakers tend to emphasize their R's, and they also replace the verbs is and are with be, which is a decidedly pirate move when you be thinking about it. Still, if that weren't enough, West Country speakers are also known to use the word are in place of yes. Of course, Robert Louis Stevenson had no way of knowing the impact his story would have on the modern conception of pirates. In fact, he wasn't sure the public would care for the book at all. When the publisher of Young Folks magazine agreed to print it, Stevenson opted to use a pen name, calling himself Captain George North. His reasoning was never clearly stated, but the common assumption is that he worried the story would be poorly received and might damage his family's reputation. And for a time, it looked like Stevenson made the right call. Subscribers thought the story was drawn out and a little boring. But to be fair, most of them were young children, reading just a few pages a week. Once Treasure Island came out as a full collected work in 1883, the story found a much wider and more patient audience. Of course, for anyone who still finds the story a bit too dry, 
there's always Disney's second big screen adaptation, a little film called Muppet Treasure Island. It may not be entirely in line with Stevenson's original vision, but it's hard to argue with Tim Curry and a bunch of dancing puppets. Or at least, it is in my experience. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider keeping up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can reach out to me directly by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz, this time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't sister. know we were going to go there on I'm this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.